Um, let's see. We are going to celebrate communion. We do that the first Sunday of every month. And I'd invite uh, our uh, guest services team, if you'd grab some of the uh, elements. Uh, that way, anyone who didn't get it as they were entering in, we can include them. So who, who didn't get the communion elements as you walked in? Any, anybody miss that or did we get you all? Yep, we got some. Anybody in the balcony up there that uh, doesn't, didn't get one? Okay. Wow, we did good in the balcony. Nice job. Very good. I'm reading from 2 Timothy 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you've learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that's been entrusted to you. Paul's writing to young Timothy, uh, pastor, his, uh, his mentor was, uh, was Paul, and now Timothy is challenged. So when Jesus first shared the Lord's Supper with his disciples, he gave them something tangible. Think about it, uh, if you're holding this right now. Something that you could actually hold on to, and with your senses, it would wake you up and remind you of what you believe in. That's the purpose of communion. It's kind of like a beam covered in concrete. Track with me here. Uh, so we have a firm foundation. Jesus wanted his followers to remember the significance of the cross and the sinless body and the shed blood that washes and cleanses and purifies us from sin. Why do we need a steel beam covered in concrete as our foundation? You ready? Doubts, dangers, dissenters, problems, pain is coming your way. But the communion meal that Jesus said, I want you to regularly celebrate, regularly celebrate, uh, it guards our hearts and our minds against the painful challenges in hard, time, hard times of life. So, um, even on Sundays, when we don't feel like worshiping, and I won't ask you to admit that if that's you today, but the truth is, even pastors sometimes don't feel like worshiping. Even when our minds wander and we feel isolated and alone, even when we've lost our hop, and there's a tear in our eye, corporate acts of worship, they're like steel beams covered in concrete. It's a firm foundation that we stand on, prepares us for the hard times. When we sing together songs of praise like we just did, singing to Christ Jesus, when we pray together, we've prayed a couple times already to the King on the throne, when we stand up and read out loud together from God's book, when we uh, together celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion, which we're going to do momentarily, uh, when you listen in worship to preachers and teachers opening up God's word, when we give our tithes and our offerings together as a family, 
for Jesus and his kingdom and his church. These acts of worship we do together as a family, when life is good, we feel strong, we're on the mountaintop, yay, Lord, and especially when we doubt and are discouraged and disease lands at our feet. When we do them, we realize sometimes we're not quite as strong as we thought we were. <laughs> we're not quite as powerful. We're actually pretty weak and pretty uh, puny. So for 31 years, I've had the privilege of gathering with you, celebrating, worshiping in God's Word, celebrating, uh, remembering what Jesus has done by partaking of the bread and the cup. Why do we do that? I'm, I'm telling you, this is like steel beams covered in concrete for us. It prepares us. It's a solid, firm foundation that prepares us for the hard times, for the challenging times. So, I'd invite you now, take a few moments. Let's uh, examine our hearts and our minds and our lives. Why are we doing this? Because we're celebrating the forgiveness of sins and what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and for us just to rush in to worship and partake of the elements with actually dealing with sin that's attached itself to our lives, it's making a mockery of what we're about to celebrate. So I invite you, just take a few moments, bow your heads. If there's something that needs to be repented of, confessed, need to run to the cross, and get cleansed and purified. Jesus, we just want you to know we're listening. Make yourself clear. We want to be in right relationship with you as we celebrate your finished work on the cross. So you show us uh, things that your book calls sin, and we're not going to ignore it anymore. We're going to do the U-turn. We're going to run to the cross. We're going to call it what you call it. You call it sin. We call it the very same thing. And you've already marked all of your kids, all that know you personally as Savior and Lord, you've already marked our accounts paid in full. Wow. Wow. So, Jesus, we're going to draw on that account. We, we call it sin. We write the check of confession. Would you wash and cleanse and purify us and bring us back into right relationship with you? Thanks, Lord, for being awesome. Thanks for loving us so much that you want us to stay in right relationship with you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Would you peel back that top seal with me? And uh, you have uh, the communion wafer, if you will. Kevin Cleveborn. Chairman of the board, elder here at Walloon Church, would you praise Jesus for offering his sinless body for us? Father, for um, hundreds, uh, even 
thousands of years, um, believers have done just this. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we want to remember what you did on the cross for us, just like so many others have done before us. Help us not ever forget that you suffered, you had your body broken, you were scourged, you were beaten, you took the hit for us so that we didn't have to. God, thank you so much for what you did for us, your body broken. We do this in remembrance of you. In your name we pray, amen. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 11, for I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks for it, then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you uh, carefully peel back that bottom seal at this time? Hold it tight. Don't need any grape explosions. Board member, elder here at Walloon Church, Myron Matz. Would you thank the Lord for... Uh, allowing his blood to be shed for all of our sins. Lord, uh, we've said it before, and we're still amazed how you would leave the splendor of heaven and come down here, Lord. Uh, and uh, you were the only one, Lord, that was qualified, the perfect lamb, Lord, to go to the cross and shed your blood for us. And Lord, uh, you tell us to do this in remembrance of you, and that's what we're doing, Lord. We're remembering what happened that day on the cross and yet, Lord, you also give us hope, and you say, until, until you return. And so, Lord, you give us hope as well. So we thank you for that. We look forward to your return. Thank you, Lord, for the, what you did for us on the cross that day. Amen. In the same manner, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Um, as you exit, we'll have uh, members of our guest services team at the doors, and uh, they will have offering plates available. Um, if you'd like to contribute to the Benevolent Fund, um, that takes care of the church family who uh, have needs, and it also funds the Community Needs Program, which meets the third Tuesday of each month. Is that correct, Chad? And that meets the needs of those in the community who aren't a member of us. And over the years, just so you know, we've had lots of people become a part of us and we've reached them with the love of Jesus by uh, having the community needs program available. This is our uh, final Sunday 
in our summer series on the book of Moses, uh, Ordinary Man, Extraordinary God. Today, we're going to examine one of the final sermons that Moses gives. And if you look at the book of Deuteronomy, it's really one sermon after another. Uh, Moses knows he's about to, to leave, he's about to die, so uh, he gives sermon after sermon. This is one of the final sermons Moses gives. He's, he's led the children of Israel now for 40 years in the wilderness. An entire generation has died, and now they're about to enter into the promised land. Okay, um, But they're facing two significant changes. First is, Moses isn't going with them into the promised land. Moses is going to die, and he'll die without entering into the promised land. The Lord allows him to go up on a high mountain. He can peek at it, but Moses never is allowed to enter into the promised land. Second, uh, God's chosen people, significant, they are going to cross over the Jordan River and now head into the promised land. So Moses is going to give the family he's led and loves, he's giving them his deathbed wisdom. Okay, uh, He desperately wants the people that he's led for 40 years, he wants them to succeed. He wants them to thrive. He wants them to have God's hand of blessing and applause on their lives, okay? So that's what this is all about, the book of Deuteronomy. So in, in Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 15, he's going to lay out the secret for an abundant, joy-filled, fruitful, rich, make an eternal difference life. And, and I think I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I just wonder how many of you want to have a life that's filled with joy, it's filled with make an eternal difference, uh, joy-filled, fruitful, rich life. How many of you say, you know what, that's the kind of life I want? Can I see your hands? Okay. Balcony, I'm looking. I I saw some of you didn't lift your hands, so uh, that means I get to try to convince you today, okay? Um, Pay close attention, because here's the truth. Deuteronomy 30, 11 to 15, still applies today. There's no expiration date on Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 15. Would you stand with me if you're able? Let's read out loud together. Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 20. This is uh, Moses. He's about to die. He knows he's about to leave. And he's sharing his best wisdom with his family that he loves. And he says, you know what, you're going into this new land flowing with milk and honey, and I really want you to do well. Here's my best advice. Read with me, starting with verse 15. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep His commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in His ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, 
And if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you're crossing, the Jordan, to occupy. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you'll live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for uh, the life of Moses. And thank you, Lord, that he was ordinary, just like us. And thank you, Lord, that you, through your power and your presence in working through Moses, thank you that he lived an extraordinary life. And Lord, I believe that each and every one of us here today, 2022, your church at Walloon, I think we have that same opportunity. We're just ordinary people. But Lord, we need you. We need you to work in our lives. We need you, through the power of your Spirit, to do extraordinary stuff in and through us. Would you do that? Help us now, Lord, as we dig into uh, this one of these final speeches that Moses gave. Lord, help us to hear clearly what it is we need to hear from you, from your inspired book. Lord, would you speak loud and clear and strong? We're listening. We're ready to hear and respond. And all the church family gathered at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, Amen. you can be seated. Today, today, okay? That, that's key here. Today is the emphasis. Urgently, immediately, present tense, right now today is the day to decide to live strong for the Lord. That's what Moses is saying, okay? And I find it interesting that the Creator God gives us a choice. He gave the children of Israel a choice. He still gives us a choice, okay? We can choose Him. We can live strong for the Lord. Or we can say, um, I don't think so. No, thank you. Um, I think I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to make up my own rules. I'm going to choose my own path. I'm going to live large and in charge. I'm going to be my own little G-God, and I'm going to call my own shots. And there's a song some of you know, and, and it's celebrated. It's like one of the favorite songs in the world. You know what it is? It's Frank Sinatra's number one song. Anybody know what it is? I'll do it, sing with me, my way, right? <laughs> I said it before, I'll say it again. I hate that song. It's the song of Satan. It really is. Yeah, you're going to do it your way and you're going to go straight to hell. Uh, I choose death. 
I choose to separate from Jesus because I refuse to do it Jesus' way, is really what that's saying, okay? Um, the capacity to choose is meaningless, it really is, unless there's a clear choice whether to accept or reject what the Lord is offering. Does that make sense? Started in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, um, there was given Adam and Eve a choice. Now, please understand, in the Garden of Eden, everything was great. I mean, that garden was awesome, and everything there looked good. But to have a choice uh, for Adam and Eve not to be pre-programmed robots, there had to be a choice. And the choice was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you recall that, Genesis 3? And the Lord said, okay, you got all this good stuff here in the garden, just this one tree you can't eat. Can't eat that one. Don't touch, don't eat, don't go near that one. But everything else, go for it, enjoy. And I'm sure that for a time, Adam and Eve were fine because there were lots of choices. Do you ever wonder how long it was before they finally said, oh, I, I got to try that one tree that he told us no. You know, I, I wonder, was it a day? Was it a week? Was it a month? Was it a year? Um, I suspect if, it's, if they were like us, it probably wasn't that long. Um, so anyway, at, at some point, uh, they couldn't stay away. And uh, Adam seemed to participate, seemed to agree we got to try this, Adam. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, let's try it. And Eve goes and presents the food. My point is this. Unless there was a choice to not obey, there really is no choice. Okay? Adam and Eve had the choice, the freedom to choose to say, yes, we'll obey, Lord, or no, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to disobey. God loves us so much, think about this, that he gives us the capacity to choose. Think about that. I get to, you get to choose. He doesn't force us to obey. He is gracious and kind, and we can choose to live God's way and obey and have all of the blessings, or we have the choice to reject God's clear plan and disobey and live with the consequences. So that's still true for us today. We get to choose, okay? Moms, I'm going to talk to you for a moment, okay? How many of you are moms here today? Hands? Yeah, okay. A lot of you here, okay? So which is more meaningful for you, okay? I, I've used this thought before, but I want to put it up. Do we have the uh, Chatty Kathy doll slide up there? Can we put that up? Yeah. How many of you ever had a Chatty Kathy? Yeah, yeah. Dick still has one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just thought of that. <laughs> Kathy, I apologize. <laughs> My sister had one of these. And here's the deal with the Chatty Kathy doll, okay? You can pull the string and it'll say little sentences to you, okay? And one of the sentences that I'll always remember is pull the string. I love you, Mommy. My, and my sister just loved to pull the string. said a whole bunch of things, but that's the one I recall. I love you, Mommy. I love you, Mommy. 
Uh, and for her, at the time, she was probably, I don't know, three or four, uh, that was quite uh, critical to her because her doll loves her. Pull the string, it'll tell you what you want to hear. So here's my question, moms. Would you rather pull the string and have your little doll tell you, I love you, mommy, or would you prefer your child, son, daughter, all on their own, look at you and say, I love you, mommy? Which would you prefer, mom? So go ahead and tell me. Yeah, always. Why? Because the first one, that doll had no choice. Okay, that doll was going to say what it was programmed to say. I promise you, almost every one of you moms, I'll, I'll take my child all on their own, honestly, sincerely telling me they love me. Okay, the God of the Bible, give me your eyes, wants us to choose Him daily. He really does. He desires us to genuinely choose to live and do it His way. And to follow Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Okay? Now for that to be legit, track with me, that means we're not pre-programmed robots. Okay? We have no string to pull and we always say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. That's not how the Lord created this universe. He knew for us to honestly choose him, we needed the capacity to reject him, to say, no thanks, I'm going to make up my own rules, I'm going to be my own little G God. Moses is making the case right here, Deuteronomy 30, to his beloved wandering family, they're about to enter in to the promised land, he's making the case, make sure you choose well. Make sure you choose to follow the Lord. I'm informing you, make the wise choice, follow the Lord on a regular basis. That's what he's saying, okay? Back to the text with me. Four times in this section, Moses says, today. Today, I lay out before you two paths. You can choose from, okay? Today, you can choose life and prosperity and God's blessing, or today, you can choose death and adversity and God's consequences. Now, here's what I find interesting. Where's the middle option? You ever wonder? Well, how come, how come I can't find a fence, some lukewarm to ride on? Because um, I'm... I'm not wanting to choose death, but I don't want to be all in. I want to go some middle ground, and there is no middle ground here. There is no middle ground choice to choose. He, he says, no, no, I want you to make the choice, follow the Lord. But here's the key, okay? Here's the key. It's the small daily choices we make that are vital. Did you catch that? It's the daily choices to follow the Lord. The small, the insignificant, the one that nobody knows about, the choices nobody cares, that they feel kind of vanilla and it's like no big deal. That's where temptation begins. You need to understand. It's the little choices that 
some big decisions that influence you to reject the Lord begin. Here's how Walter Farrell explains it in his book, Companion to the Summa. Few of us will be tempted to rob a bank at gunpoint. I doubt any of you this next week will say, oh, I I think I'd like to go rob some big store, but most of us will be tempted to take advantage of a clerk's error in our favor at the cash register, okay? Few of us will be tempted to become major players in the sex trade, but most of us will be tempted to look at pornographic images or flirt with someone other than our spouse. If we can learn to choose life when faced with these smaller temptations, the larger temptations will never get a grip on us. Isn't that huge? It's in the small, daily, uh, just the routine rhythms of life. When I choose to follow Jesus today in the small stuff, that's what enables us to live strong and, and temptation doesn't grab a hold of us and chain us and enslave us with the, with the big stuff. My challenge to you, my, my challenge to me, daily, hourly, choose life in your choices. That's my challenge to you today, okay? In the little stuff, in the stuff that nobody knows about, probably uh, no one would even care that much. Choose to do it Jesus' way in the little stuff. And I think that's what Moses is shouting at us today. Choose Jesus in the daily routines of life, okay? Because if we're not careful, even the good stuff, even the stuff like family and work and sports and education, subtly, if we're not careful, that stuff becomes more valuable than our daily walk with Christ. If we're not careful, in the little stuff, in the daily stuff, uh, slowly uh, our devotion to walking and biding with Jesus um, is suddenly overtaken. And now that's the idols. He's anything that's more important, that has more of a grip on your heart than Jesus, that's an idol. That's an idol. Choose Jesus in the small stuff. Choose Jesus in the day-to-day rhythms of life. That's the secret. It really is. Every day, I got to keep choosing Jesus. Some of us, we think, well, I chose Jesus 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, but did you choose Jesus today? Did you choose Jesus this morning? And will I choose him this afternoon when a little thing comes where I'm tempted to go the opposite way that I know the Lord would have me go? That's the challenge. Today, Daily invite Jesus to take charge of your routine. That's why every day, Lord, here I am. I I need to do it your way. Lord, today I'm tempted not to open up your book and read. Um, I just don't feel like it. I'm too busy. I got stuff going on. Today, especially on those days where you don't feel like it, Lord, I need your help. Do you understand? Today... Lord, I need to choose you. I need to do it your way. Um, I, I used to pray almost every choice, every decision. Now, most of the time, got too much going on. Today, Lord, help. Help me with this choice. Give me wisdom. Show me what to do. Help me, Jesus, to readjust my life back to you. That's what Moses is saying. 
Today is that day where I need to be not too busy to open up your book and talk to you. Today is the day where I want, even in the small stuff, Lord, would you come and work in and through me? Because, Lord, I don't want to wander and wind up far from you. So, how do we live a life of obedience? How can we choose to make it God's way on a regular basis? Would you go back to the text with me? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Here's what he says. Today, I've given given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Verse 20, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you'll live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Abraham Isaac and Jacob. Here's the challenge. Here's the rub. If we don't learn to love the God of the Bible, if we don't learn to live the Jesus, who we learned last week was the God of Abraham, Jesus Christ is the God who Abraham was looking forward to. If we don't learn to love Jesus, then we'll constantly struggle to obey Jesus. Let me say that again. If you and I don't learn to love and and have a passion for Jesus, then we're always going to struggle with obeying because loving Jesus is the key to obeying Jesus, okay? When you learn to love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you're just naturally going to want to obey him and please him with our daily lives, okay? If we just launch off, track with me, Okay, I gotta obey. I, I I gotta I gotta do it his way. If that's all we're thinking about, and there's no love, no passion, no daily walking with Jesus, okay, then choosing obedience gets old. Choosing obedience, if you don't love Jesus and it's not a daily, I'm passionate to love Jesus, then you're gonna give in to sin quite often. Because the secret to obedience is loving the Lord. Would you turn with me to the new section? We're going to go to uh, the book of Romans. Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and he talks about Moses, okay? And he says Moses was actually looking and pointing to something in someone else, an even greater hope for obedience sake, okay? Uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 5. It's pretty interesting uh, how Paul talks about Moses. Verse 5 says, For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. Okay? So if you want to be right with God, you've got to obey. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who's going to go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, who'll go down to the place of the death to bring Christ back to life again? In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. (laughs) It's on your lips. 
It's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Catch this. Verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what's it say? You will be, what is it? Okay. For it is by believing in your heart you're made right with God by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in Jesus will never be disgraced. We could go on. But I'm just telling you, this is huge. The primary purpose of the Bible is not to give us a list of do's and don'ts. Now, when Christians go out in the world and non-Christians look at us, guess what they think we're all about? Rules. Don't do this. Got to do this. Do's, don'ts. We got the big old long hairy lists of do's and don'ts. Got to do this. Got to do that. Because if you're spiritual, you're really good at rules. You know what that means? If you're really good at rules, you're a good rule keeper. It's nothing to do with spirituality. Okay? The primary purpose of the Bible is not rules. The primary purpose of the Bible is to point to a person, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who offers grace and salvation to be received as a free gift. Okay? Spiritual means to be full of the Spirit. Okay? It's not a list of tasks that Jesus demands us to do for him. And a lot of us, that's how we live. It's all about do's and don'ts. It's, instead, it's the glorious news of what Jesus has done for us. That's what Paul is writing about, Romans 10. Okay? Many of us, we view the Bible as a homework assignment. And with few exceptions, some of you are weird, some of you liked homework, but how many of you really liked homework uh, when you were in school. Can I see your hands? Okay. Okay. A few of you. How many of you, like me, despised homework? Can I see your hands? Okay. Sid, you are an exception in many ways. Okay. Just want you to know. Um, if we view God's Word as homework that I have to do um, over time for most of us, Sydney, that will wear us down. That, that will just... Pretty soon, God's Word turns into hard, difficult, rote, uh, I don't like this book. It's nothing, it's nothing but homework, okay? Or, some of us view the Bible as our how-to manual, okay? Um, how can I get along with this boss who is horrible? What can I find in God's Word? Or, um, how can I deal with my kids who are making me crazy, uh, well, I got to find some verses on that. Or how can I handle my husband who constantly annoys me? There's got to be some verses in here on that. And we're reading God's Word as a how-to manual. And then you hit Leviticus. And then you hit the genealogies. And then it talks about the dimensions of the temple. And you say, what does this have to do with my life? Let me put this quote up from Michael Reeves. Um, Here's what he says. But when you see that Christ is the subject of all the scriptures, that Christ is the Word, the Lord, the Son, 
who reveals the Father, the promised hope, the true temple, the true sacrifice, the great high priest, the ultimate king, then you can read, not so much asking, what does this mean for me right now, but asking, what do I learn here of Christ? Knowing that the Bible is about Christ and not me means that instead of reading the Bible obsessing about me, I can gaze on Jesus, and it's through the pages you get caught up in the wonder of his story. You find your heart strangely pounding for him in a way that you never could if you had treated the Bible as a book for you or a book for me. It's a book about Jesus. The Bible does give us lots of practical advice on marriage and raising kids and the workplace. That's true. It really does. But the main thing we need to get from God's Word is a heart adjustment. And as we open up God's Word, it's all pointing us back to Jesus. And that's really the secret. we got to daily keep falling in love with Jesus and daily listening and being reunited and saying, yes, Lord, I yield, I surrender, just like Kaylee said to you, Jesus. C.S. Lewis said a couple interesting things that I want to quote. He said, the Bible is like staring through a peephole, okay, in a fence, and suddenly realizing someone is staring back at you. Isn't that good? <laughs> okay, and he is. Uh, C.S. Lewis also said, don't just read the Bible, let the Bible read you. I like that too. But I think I like this last one best. Uh, Pastor Timothy Keller in New York City says it this way, it's best to approach the Bible as one long story about Jesus. The story as a whole nourishes our souls. It's a story about how there's a great God worthy of great glory that we've sinned against and he's come to rescue us. He's come to rescue us, okay? Friends, <laughs> I love y'all. Uh, I close with this challenge, this exhortation, pleading. Would you daily choose Jesus? That's really the secret of life. Daily choose to live strong for Jesus. Daily choose to line your life up with his book and do it his way, which is all about Jesus. Lord, Lord, warm my heart up. Help us all to live strong for you. Choose Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for writing in the old section of your book about Jesus. And thank you that Moses was looking forward to the promises and predictions about Jesus, and uh, we realize anew and afresh that Jesus is a great God and he's worthy of great glory and praise. Here's the truth, Lord, all of us have sinned and fall short. Every one of us here, everyone watching online, and Jesus, you came to rescue us. question is this, have you allowed Jesus to rescue you? Mom and dad can't rescue you. Your wife or your husband can't rescue you. You need to invite Jesus to rescue you for you.
personally. Jesus left the glory and splendor of heaven for you, for me. Sinless life qualifies uniquely to be the sinless lamb of God. Willingly took our place on the cross, shed his blood to wash and cleanse and purify all of our sins, past, present, future. Willingly took our place in the grave early Sunday morning, victoriously arose. Those are the facts. You need to believe those facts for me, for you. Nobody can do that but you, for you. Won't you today choose life, choose Jesus? That's where it begins, and then it's going to be a daily choice. But Jesus, I choose you. I believe those facts for me, and I receive you with passion and excitement. I open the door of my life. I welcome you in, Jesus. Come on in, be my Savior, my King, my best friend for keeps. That's what it means to follow Jesus. You can do that right now. If you're online, you can hit that button and say, yep, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. If you're here in person, make your way to the prayer corner. We've got a team. We'll get you off to a good start. Thank you, Lord, for being the subject matter of your word. And help us as we read to constantly see you in your book. We love you. It's good to be here together in your church. And we pray all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Um, we'll have uh, guest services here uh, at the doors as you exit. In just a few moments, we're going to close a bit different today. Um, I'm going to invite my wife, Denise, up here and Pastor Chad. Um, I think uh, most of you probably know and probably are tired of hearing about it because I know I am. Uh, on Friday, I'll be having triple bypass heart surgery. So I've asked uh, Pastor Chad to come and anoint Denise and I with oil uh, in accordance with James chapter 5. We're going to sit in the prayer chairs. Um, I know this is odd because normally I would love to have you all come and lay hands on me. Um, but bluntly, I don't want some of you laying potential COVID hands on me because that means for two more months I'm going to have to wait. And let's, I was, I was, let's do it tomorrow, but that day didn't go along with that. So uh, anyway, if you would pray along with Pastor Chad, you can reach out your hands if you'd like to or just pray uh, in your heart. And uh, that's what uh, we're going to do right now as we close. You know, surgery's routine until you're the one having surgery, isn't it? So it's a big deal, triple bypass. And uh, Jeff and Janice, I just want to let you guys know, too, we, we love you guys. As behalf of the church, we just want you to know we love you. We appreciate the care and the ministry that you pour out on us. And truly, we will be praying for you and with you and walking through this with you. So... Jeff and Denise, I anoint you with oil to represent God's blessing and presence on your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pray with me. You as well online, 
you're a part of this too. So, uh, Lord God, I just, I thank you for Jeff and Denise. I thank you for their faithfulness of being your servants to be used by you for the time that you've given them here on earth. And Lord, uh, we didn't see this coming. Jeff and Denise definitely didn't see this coming. And uh, But Lord, we're, we're glad that you saw it coming and did something about it. And uh, Lord, so we pray for this coming Friday as well for Jeff and Denise. I pray for Dr. Kong, who will be leading and doing the surgery. And Lord, I, I don't know where he stands with you, but I know this, that uh, you've instilled Dr. Kong with a tremendous amount of knowledge and skill set. And so, Lord, I pray that you would guide him and his team as they work on Jeff, working on the very heart that you designed and, had, and know everything about. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless the surgery, make it a successful and a good surgery. Lord, I pray for Jeff's healing through the process of it as well. I pray that it would be timely. I pray that he would avoid COVID and have a negative test before surgery so there isn't a delay. But, Lord, I pray even through this time that you would grow Jeff further in his faith and trust of you and Denise as well in moments where life brings a heavy challenge. So, Lord, stretch them but grow them in this season together and with you. We ask your blessing upon this, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. Yeah. So we're going to allow them at the close of service here, too, to slip out. We're going to close in song. And then right after the song, Laura will just dismiss you to stay on schedule. But they're going to avoid us friendly way this week to avoid the germs. So we love you guys. So, yes. Thank you.